From the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania and Sirius XM, this is the Work and Life podcast, which explores how to create harmony among the different parts of life, work, home, community, and the private self, your mind, body, and spirit. The conversation you're about to hear was originally recorded on the Work and Life radio show on Sirius XM 111, business radio powered by Wharton. Here's your host, founding director of Wharton's Work-Life Integration Project and author of the bestseller Total Leadership, Professor Stu Friedman. Lisa Buckingham is Executive Vice President and Chief Human Resources Officer at Lincoln Financial Group. In October of last year, she was named HR Executive of the Year by HR Executive Magazine. She's got more than 30 years of experience in all aspects of human resources management and is responsible for all HR practices and policies for Lincoln Financial Group. And she's also responsible, this is interesting and kind of unusual, for overseeing the corporation's brand and enterprise communications, consumer insights, and corporate social responsibility activities. That's a distinctive portfolio. She's on the board of directors of the HR Policy Association and the new American Health Policy Institute. She also serves on the board of the Philadelphia Eagles Charitable Foundation, and she chairs the Lincoln Foundation. So now, get set to listen and learn from a high-impact HR executive about her distinctive journey the wisdom she's got about controlling your career, and the challenges facing forward-thinking HR executives in our turbulent world. It's Lisa Buckingham. Lisa, welcome. Oh, thank you. It's super great to be here. It is fantastic to have you here. So, you were named HR Executive of the Year last year. Congratulations. Thank you. That's a big deal. Thank you. Um, so obviously, you've been doing a lot of great things, uh, which I want to get into and, and what it means for Lincoln Financial Group. But first, how did you get into this role? It was a complete mistake. Like, like totally not my plan at all. First off, let's talk. You did mention that it was three decades ago, and it is true. So 31 years ago, I went into HR, which was called personnel at the time. I remember but, it well. Yep. And you've been here 30 years, so we, we both get this. I had a dream that I was going to be a television newscaster. And I went to school for broadcasting, hmm. and then one day I was on this cable show back in the days when cable was really pretty, you know, very early days. Low production yeah. values. Okay, that's <clears throat> probably a better way to say it. <laughs> and there was something that happened that when the red light would turn on, I wasn't myself anymore. Hmm. And I was just like, what, what is this all about? You know, I don't know. And um, and that was fine. I, I was offered an internship uh, to be a beat reporter. This was all great. So I thought, okay, I've been discovered. And I went into the stock room of the um, – I worked at Woodward and Lothrop, John Wanamaker. And I sold fragrances from uh, 15 and 8 months uh, when I could have a work permit all the way through high school and through college. And I told my manager that I had been discovered. And she kind of giggled and she said, well, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to go be a beat reporter on the Hill. And she's like, you like politics? And I'm like, 
no, but th- this is awesome. And so about two weeks later. So you in high school now? No, college. Oh, okay. And then I was asked to go and meet this woman, mm-hmm. Judy Moore, um, at Woodward and Lothrop. And she said to me, why are you going to leave? We want you to be part of our organization. And she said, how about you do an internship with us? And I went into a rotation. Hmm. And I did every single functional activity that you could possibly think of and quote, unquote, personnel at the time. Mm-hmm. And I fell in love. I fell in love with what I do. And what did you love about it uh, at you first? Know, um, so I first started in staffing and really understanding what the client needed mm-hmm. and what employees, the candidates wanted. So finding that match, that was really where I cut my teeth. Mm-hmm. And it was super cool. And well, you like know, a, the rest is history. It's a complex puzzle that involves people's lives and their success yeah. and yeah. What was what was the big lesson that you learned in trying to solve those puzzles every day doing staffing at, you know what? at an sometimes early stage? Sometimes you you make mistakes and sometimes you really hit a home run as well. Um or I should say a, a touchdown at this point with with our theme tonight. Much better but, metaphor, yeah, yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, I I think helping managers who might be so close and so focused on what they're trying to deliver and Helping them understand, here's the talent that's available. These are your folks that, you know, your candidate pool. But then you really, as I grew in my role, you start thinking about, you know, cultural fits. Mm -hmm. It's not just about education. It's not just about skills. It's really, you have to look at the whole picture. And this has evolved over time for me. What what do you mean by that? From the standpoint of in in my early days, it was really around, okay, I have a job spec and I have to fill it. I have Mm -hmm. to. And and it was really around uh, in retail. Obviously, we were hiring a lot of retail um, individuals and buyers, which, you know, set the stage for what's happening in the next season. And then finding, do we have the right people? So from that perspective, I, I would tell you, they might have been the brightest, most amazing individuals, but they might not be the cultural fit. So mm-hmm. for me, so you started to learn about. I that learned that it fit. was really not always just about skills or pedigree. It was really cultural fit, and it was: is this person going to grow in the organization? Mm-hmm. And and I'm sure we'll touch on on a little bit of development. Well, let's just go to that. Yeah. So how did well, and your development? So how did Let's fast forward now. How did you then get from there to uh, to being named HR Executive of the Year last year? Amazing people in my life, amazing mentors, um, who have. Well, number one, let's start with this: working as hard as you possibly can, being completely dedicated, loving what you do. If you don't love what you do, just stop it. Figure out what you need to do, mm-hmm. right? I, I really do think that there's there's something in that, and mm-hmm. not everybody has the luxury to just stop, quit, quit their job. But I think that you really have to be very honest with yourself. So your whole self is something that, from my perspective, when you go into the office, if you don't love what you do, it completely shows. <coughs> it shows. Um, so from mm-hmm. my perspective, being honest with yourself of what you're good at and what you're really crummy at, I think you have to know that. Now you had the benefit of somebody saying, hey, here's an opportunity, yeah. and you took it, and then you stayed with it because you did fall in love with it, even yeah. if it wasn't what you yeah. originally had set out yeah. to do. Yep, yeah. that's right. HR is 
pretty far cry from network broadcasting. Yeah, <laughs> very far right? cry. Very far cry. And let me just say, there were not some of the some of the days were not the best days when you're shutting down a store mm-hmm. or you're laying people off or you're terminating somebody for right. doing something ridiculous. Um, I, I mean, there's probably a book in there on all the ridiculous stories, but <laughs> there are many. Uh, yeah, many. But if you really take a step back from what I believe that I'm terrific at is mm. taking in how can I help people every single day from the standpoint of growing their career? And by the way, I'm pretty harsh on this one because it's not about us. It's about them. It's it's a shared responsibility. We, we can have the best systems in place. We work with Wharton. We have amazing content. We have amazing professors who come in and help us build development. Um, but if an employee doesn't want to take the time to grow or change or learn, that's on them. It has to be them. mutual. It has to be mutual. And there's rock stars out there. And, you know, I love it when people are knocking on my door and they just want more. They want more. They want more. It's exhausting. But guess what? Those are the folks who are going to make huge differences. And did you do that? I'm sure I exhausted a thousand people in my <laughs> a thousand. career. I'm sure. Ex- I, how did you do that? Well, and why I, was it good for them? Well, I was a little fearless. So I, I have a um, my family. My father was in the military, so I, I think I'm a little fearless because um, he would always say, "You need to be better. You need to do more. Mm-hmm. You need to do this. You need to do that." And um, I, I would always take a really big survey around looking at what was going on. And if I had ideas, I, I really didn't think about that hierarchy. I would go to the person that I thought could make a difference. And I would say, I have these ideas. I put this together. I mean, now we have PowerPoint. But back in the day, we didn't have PowerPoint. You would put you know together pages of typed stuff. But at the end of the day, I would go in and say, these are my ideas. And some people would go, that's great. Now, 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 go back and do your job. And others would say, hum a few more bars on that. Like, mm-hmm. let's think about this. Mm-hmm. And when I worked at Thomson Reuters, that was absolutely – and I originally started with Thomson, and it, it is now Thomson Reuters. Mm-hmm. It, it was – I had people who absolutely loved – taking it to the next level all the time and you know they would take the time and have those conversations so you know i've been incredibly blessed so well but you were motivated to bring your ideas forward and you encourage people to do that always how do you make that part of the culture at lincoln financial group so we always say it's an open door and now we have i mean there's no excuse we have phones we have cell phones we have we do have email you know i mean and i know yours is probably blowing up over there it, it's amazing to me when somebody says, oh, I, I didn't want to talk to you about this. And that really actually makes me sad from the standpoint of we really do. Our culture is call us, talk to us, help us know. We always want to do more. And employee engagement is a very, very big deal for our organization. So, And, and I'm sure we'll talk about wellness and all of that. But... Um, our CEO, I mean, he he gets phone calls. He he answers emails. He'll, people he, know that they know it. So people know, know that it. they can yes. speak truth to power. They can bring their ideas forward. Yes. What recently have you has Lincoln Financial been doing? Have you been doing uh, to earn that kind of recognition? What do you think has been essential to 
that uh, um, that accolade. So let me talk a little bit about strategy, but I, let, let me tell you a bit of my philosophy. Every single day that I drive in, I never feel I've done enough the day before. And I always think about our employees. I, When I talk to people, I ask them, I want raw feedback. We, we do mm-hmm. employee engagement surveys. We, we really are very dedicated to that. But um, what I would tell you is, we, I, I came December of 2008 to a financial services organization. This organization, Lincoln Financial, protects and changes people's lives through um, financial services. Um, our products are amazing. Uh, we have life insurance, annuities, 401k, group voluntary benefits. And if you think about that, many people don't know what that means to them until there's mm-hmm maybe a death in the family mm-hmm. or a serious illness or an injury, and then they learn about their insurance opportunities. So if you think about it from the standpoint of our employees in our organization, many of our folks frontline are talking to people across the, the world, you know, the United States on a phone call is coming in. My father just passed away. I need to find out how I get the life insurance policy. Those are people that are connecting with empathy. They understand what's going on. And that is one reason why I would just tell you from the standpoint of our organization, we change people's lives because if it's a bad experience or a bad interchange, and and, and that can happen, um, and people are very emotional when this is happening, but we have amazing employees that make this process as helpful as possible and as easy. So so this is something that I'm very proud of, that our employees are so empathetic and mm-hmm. they care. Um, How do you get them to that wow. frame of mind yeah. and, and that of, competence and well, confidence to be so compassionate? Yeah. So there's a lot of training, but let's go back to what we were talking about when we started the conversation. The it's Eagles. really around, well, well, the Eagles are amazing. <laughs> um, but when we hire people, we interview to that. So we interview to the job uh, responsibilities. But we also, you, you th- there's something to the empathy. And if somebody is just going to be very cold on the phone and they're not you know, connecting with, with the client – the policyholder, that's not a good thing. So mm-hmm. from our perspective, um, we absolutely make sure that um, we have folks listen. And obviously, I'll just make the, 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 conver- you know, the statement of with protected HIPAA, we have employees talk um, or listen to calls because all of these are recorded lines. And we want them to hear how these are handled, and we have amazing people who walk people through the entire process, and it's it's a really important thing. And I'm telling you, I when I have my meetings in HR, I like to have those recorded um, opportunities out there so Why our employees. That? I want my HR folks, and we have amazing professionals in human resources, but I want them to make sure in their mind they understand why they're helping hire, build, develop all these people. Because from that perspective, that empathy is so important. Hmm. And we have amazing people in distribution. We have financial planners. We, you know, So all of that. But at the end of the day, 
if if we have and this is all about brand and reputation at the same time if people don't feel that they are cared about mm-hmm. at, when they call in we have failed and we are really proud of how how the experiences. What's been the hardest part of making that to be the the normal experience? Ooh, that's a tough question. Um, I I would say sometimes there's people that they're just there to do a job, mm-hmm. and people know that they feel it. People calling in their yeah. colleagues, anyone, yeah. anyone dealing with anyone, them. Yeah. And, and so that experience, and so, it's probably painful for them too. Yes, right, of course. And and if you don't like what you're doing, it shows. Mm-hmm. So you you really have to. And, and I know I said that earlier. That's no, worth repeating. love what you do, love what you do, or let's help you. And this is where mm-hmm. I feel that I've been able to make a difference over my years in human resources is to call it. Like, if you don't love what you're doing, let's find the right role for you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's not always about money. It's not always about money because some people, they might need to get off of a tr- certain track. What, so, is it, what is it often about if it's not money? I, I think it's about their day-to-day life. Hmm. Um, some people love stressful jobs. Some <laughs> people don't. I, I mean, I, mm-hmm. obviously, I, this is a, you know, wellness conversation. And mm-hmm. th- there's a lot of stress when you're dealing with people. We... You have to make sure that um, you're, you're creating the right culture. And culture is created, it's a manifestation of programs and people, in my opinion. And what I really have enjoyed and love every single day about Lincoln are the amazing people. And we have terrific things that we do. And we're in cool places and you talked about corporate social responsibility that's something that we've really it it was a startup business if you will five years ago we've we've always had a foundation and so that is um focused on our key cities where we're located Mm -hmm. and we really try to give back into the community from a philanthropy perspective Mm -hmm. but um we've raised that bar like we we're finding what are the right things. People want to understand, you know, what are we doing from a Lincoln perspective? We have a terrific brand. So volunteerism. If you think about what our employees get totally stoked about going and helping. So with the Eagles Charity Charitable Foundation, we have um, the iMobile. We have... What's that? Um, so seriously, in the um, Philadelphia area, there we go to different schools, and we have volunteers, probably two, 300 people a year of our employees dedicate their time, and they go to elementary schools, and they help do the first-line eye exams. Oh. And so- Eye mobiles, E-Y-E. Uh, E-Y-E, yeah. Okay. So for And so making glasses cool. So, mm. you know, and some of the, the, the students, they see the iMobile and they think they're going to meet a football player. But, you know, they're, <laughs> they're not going to- Because it's got Lincoln Financial Exactly, or, or Eagles. Uh-huh, um, okay. But we, the, these, these employees in the organization, they don't, they're not asking for a ticket because they went and spent a day at an elementary school. They know that they've gone to make a difference with a, a child. We have found kids that so are legally that on blind the, on the time volunteering on company time or their own on time? company time mm-hmm. on company time. Mm-hmm. Um, they they get it from a volunteer perspective, mm-hmm. and 
Yeah, I mean, we have found kids that are legally blind, and we have a partnership with uh, Will's Eye Institute. That's the leading eye institute yeah. here in Philadelphia. Yeah, and you know, I mean, surgeries, and I, I can't tell you how much the charitable foundation of the Eagles and Lincoln have made a difference. You know, I, I'm just so proud of what we do. And how does that help you to attract and retain the best talent in your field? So it's interesting. Or does it? I was going to say, that's it's, it's an interesting question because I think that our brand feels very, very big from the standpoint of Lincoln Financial Field. And then they'll see our commercials that we do run, and it's the responsibility of love. That's, that's our brand, um, uh, our campaign. And... What we've done is we're starting to connect that and help people become more educated on different financial products. So what is an annuity? What is a 401k plan? What are group voluntary benefits? What's a life insurance policy? And what we're trying to do is make sure that we're out there, we're connecting our brand to our products, but also reminding people everybody has access to those. Mm -hmm. Depends upon what they want to spend, right? Like, what are the most pressing issues that come to you from employees, from colleagues, that you find uh, you can be helpful uh, and and that are really important to them? What what are the big issues that you're dealing with uh, with the people that that you're interacting with now in in your role? Yeah. So, um, a, a few things. So, benefits. Health insurance is a really big deal. It's a big topic. It's mm-hmm. a big conversation. It's a very big cost to people. So that's one. Career development, huge. So it's really, and, and honestly, I'm going to write a book one day. And I started writing it, and it's the working title right now is It's Your Career, Damn It. So from that standpoint, it's really, people come Yours to me. Yours, not mine. So you have to figure it out, yeah. and I'll help you. Is yeah, that what's implied by that? Your career, damn it. Yeah, or, yes, from the standpoint of some people think, well, my mom or my dad or you know somebody wanted me to mm. do X, Y, or Z. And I really want to do this. Well, then go do it or go and take those classes or do something extra. You know, this is your opportunity. And we we have had um, and this has been something that I've really thought a lot about over the past probably 20 years. Talent organizations, which we have a wonderful talent organization and we have great content, great access to universities, development programs, brick and mortar, online, all this great stuff. And people, sometimes some of our employees will be like, well, nobody came and told me I should do X, Y, or Z. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, when they come and talk to me, I hold them accountable. This, we have amazing things, but you have to think about yourself as well. And you have to be really authentic and genuine with us about what you want so the, as well. The kinds of concerns that people bring to you are, are no one's taking care of me? Uh, well, or my manager's not talking to me about my performance. Uh, are, they, okay. are they giving me real feedback or are they not? Do I need a coach? Do you know what? I mean, obviously, there's of right. course things, and we can we can get mm-hmm. into you know if somebody has a complaint about a manager sure. or if there's some tawdry behavior, mm-hmm. they'll come to different organ you know part in HR sure. or into our hotline or to legal. And but these are things that you deal with. I mean, it's, sometimes it's just like it's a shooting match during the day. There's a thousand different things. Somebody may be getting promoted. 
in, mm-hmm. in the same day, and somebody else might be getting terminated. And it could be because they just did something incredibly ridiculous, so they're terminated mm-hmm. for cause. And then you walk down the hall and you're promoting somebody. So so the people who are, who are listening, what, what might they be interested in asking you about, do you think? And this is a, a cross-section of Americans yeah. who are interested in work and the rest of life. What, what do you have to say that they might be interested in asking you about? I, I think they would want to ask about the whole employee experience. They would want to understand what does an HR executive think about when they're um, talking about engagement or building benefits plans or looking at a 401k plan mm-hmm. because we literally are – very, very focused on ensuring for um, building all of the right um, benefits. Um, and uh, Marie is calling from Boston. I'm reluctant here to take this call. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Because- Are you thinking of the Patriots? <laughs> I, I, yes, Maria, I am thinking about the Patriots. Who I... Oh, well, don't hold that against me. Oh, okay, I won't then. Marie, okay. thank you for calling Work and Life. What's on your mind? Well, thank you for taking my call, and um, thank you to you and your guest tonight. I just happened to turn on the radio, and I heard this topic. Mm-hmm. And I'm an individual contributor at my organization, and when, you mentioned, when your guest mentioned um, employee engagement and things, similar to morale, mm-hmm. how do you keep employee morale or and or engagement up when external leaders are hired into the company mm-hmm. above your boss mm-hmm. and you're hoping to track into one of those roles? Hmm. So can you just tell us uh, another sentence or two about the kind of organization you work in? And then I'm going to ask Lisa what she has to say about that. Okay, I'm in the biopharmaceutical space. Okay, cool. Well, I was in Boston today, so um, you have a lot more snow than we do. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And um, my 11-year-old son is a huge Patriots fan, so uh, I know. it's. it's We have to talk about that, but later. Yeah, later. Okay. Let's help Marie. So, Marie, what I will tell you is this, this is a very interesting conversation because if you think about it, nine years ago when I came into Lincoln, I was hired from the outside. Mm -hmm. I had been groomed for 13 years at another organization to be promoted, and I wasn't promoted into the number one role. But I left because I had the opportunity to go into the CHRO role. And at Lincoln. At Lincoln, mm-hmm. yep. Um, okay. What I will tell you from, from our talent strategy, we really try a, a, a couple of things. So we, of course, want to develop our talent internally and always have promotions and see people grow and thrive at the organization. But there are other times that we need new skill sets and we need to, um, if somebody doesn't have that skill set in our organization, although it's hard to swallow at times for the team, we do go from to the outside. What I have found is you really work on bringing that person in who has the skill set that we didn't have. And we, we create something and we, we say it's non-negotiable. So when we build a job spec, we, we do the job description and then we sit down and we really get into the manager's head and say, give me your non-negotiables. What 
does this person have to have? And that helps us from the standpoint of when we have internal and external candidates, it really balances mm-hmm. how, how are you you're going to get there. We don't have a science of how many people we hire from the outside or how many from the inside. But what about the signal that sends to somebody like Marie who sees, hey, my boss's <laughs> boss is coming in from the outside. What does that mean for me and the career yeah, opportunities right. available yeah. to me? That's what you're asking yeah, about, right, Marie? That's your question, yeah. 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 So this is where I would have a very direct conversation to say, why am I not getting that promotion? Or why am I not in that role? And what can I do to then when the next time there's an opportunity, how can I be the best candidate? And some of it you may have to do on your own. Maybe they offer coaching. Maybe there's uh, development opportunities. But this is a really, you know, this is one of the hardest questions because you want your employees to just continually get promoted internally. Sure. But you also have to have, you need bring bringing in new thinking and new innovations as well. So there's a balance. Um, but from my perspective, I think you have to ask the why I didn't get it or mm-hmm. why are we bringing somebody in from the outside and the managers and HR should be very comfortable and be able to have a salient conversation with you. To explain the reason. To explain the rationale. Sure. Right. Absolutely. Could, could I just add Please. to that, to what you're saying? When you mention um, the manager may say, these are non-negotiables, this is what we're looking for, and they bring someone in because maybe there's a new strategy, mm-hmm. there's something that the company needs to do. Is there a reason why they're not just going to develop the boss and say, you know, this is what we want you to focus on in addition to your job? You know, you're doing a great job. However, mm-hmm. we're trying to move in this direction, and we'll give you six months ramp-up time so to it sounds like knowledge. It sounds like that didn't happen in your case. Is that right? Yeah, I, I don't know if they had that conversation with ah. the leader. Yeah, and see, that that That's right there, Maria, is the, the this transparency and authenticity in career development is so important. And if... What do you mean by that? From the standpoint of if they... If you have to go on the outside, that means that there's a skill set that's not missing or they're not being honest with the person who thinks they should mm-hmm. be getting promoted. Oh, and, okay. Right. I mean, from my perspective, and I don't know your organization and you don't have mm-hmm. to you don't have to talk about that. But um, th- there's always stories on all of the sides mm-hmm. and there could be a strategic initiative that they're just looking for a new skill set to bring into the organization mm-hmm. and might not have that six month mm-hmm. ramp up time mm-hmm. or. There's just not the right fit with the people that could be the next leader. So how but, would it affect you, Marie, if, yeah. if you had more information about the real deal and what went down and why this person was chosen and not your boss, for example? Would that make a difference to you? Uh, well, it just makes me feel as though you, instead of probably moving up within the organization in two to three years in order to get you know, my boss's job, now I have to get my boss's boss's job. So my recommendation, my coaching would be to sit down with um, human resources and also the managers that are making those decisions and say, how can I get to this stage in the next two or three years? And, And have that conversation because they should be very open to give you the right coaching and counseling, or they should also have the authenticity to say, 
I don't see in that job. Thank you, Marie, so much uh, for okay. calling Work and Life. We really appreciate your call. So when you worry about your people, uh, what's the thing that you worry most about uh, in in, not just in terms of the hiring and the and the retention of people, but day to day, what's the thing that uh, you're driving home and you're thinking, hmm, what is it that recurs to you on a regular basis that is a primary concern of yours in your role? Uh, so, so you said retention, not not worrying about retention, but we do every single day, and mm-hmm. we really think about that. There's probably a good amount of retention or turnover, um, but from from the standpoint of what I worry about. Are we creating the right culture um, and opportunities in the organization that people can come into the organization and flourish? Are people seeing that they have career paths, whether it's walking Mm -hmm. across different product lines, going into different business units? Do they feel that we are creating the right environment that they can manage their careers and their lives right and their lives so what if they're yeah. what if they're different than the standard issue financial services person of, of 25 years ago the kinds of people who uh, are probably in greater proportion at the top of the organization than in the lower parts yeah I'm one of those people I I, I didn't come with a finance degree I'm a liberal arts major I right. love what I do I have a good handle of um, uh, financial acumen but um I, I think that people, you know, what I worry about mm-hmm. is do we have the right people in the right job and are we giving them the right development opportunities? Mm-hmm. Are our managers doing their jobs? That's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Are they managing their teams? Are they promoting the right people? Are they moving people out that are not performing? Mm-hmm. This is a, this is a sensitive conversation, but it, it's real because there are people of that – they're not coming in, and they're taking well, a role that other people could absolutely flourish in. Well, and your theme here clearly has been one of you know candor. Uh, we just did a show last week on radical candor with Kim Scott and mm-hmm. how important it is to both be caring and challenging of people in order to help them, mm-hmm. to help your business grow. I was interested also, though, in the question of how you bring in people who don't look like other people in the organization, yeah. people who might be in a minority group for any kind of demographic, you know, uh, characteristics. Uh, Because culture fit is a, you know, it's a tricky thing, especially when it comes to social characteristics. Uh, um, How are you dealing with that challenge in this day? Huge, huge, huge issue, right? So number one, Lincoln, 56% female in our organization. We're very, very proud of that. Mm -hmm. Um, from a um, diversity and inclusion perspective, we're very proud of where we are from what we're doing from a strategic perspective. Can we do more? Yes. Are we doing more? You're darn right we are. We, are, we continue to work on diversity and engagement. Um, so from that perspective, we, we focus on that. But we also are really going at each of our locations and asking our employees, what can we do more? So we have a diversity council. Uh, we have um, amazing opportunities across the organization. Um, multicultural month. We we do different things every single month at our or at each of our locations and our employees. We've given our employees the opportunity to help us get better at this. So what, what's the the coolest thing you've done to to make the work environment one where people who are different feel 
like they can be themselves. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think it's really creating the LGBT um, uh, council, mm-hmm. having folks feel very comfortable talking about that, having um, individuals tell us that they wanted mother's rooms. Well, we had them, but we didn't, did we communicate it enough? Probably not. So we made sure that folks knew that that, that we had it. So we put in paternity. utilization rate has gone up. Yeah, right? And we have paternity time now. Um, we really are focusing on, it's not just, you know, one or the other. This this is really around diversity and inclusion. It can be a lot of things. I mean, we had an earlier conversation about music. We were very diverse in our conversation. Not all of us love Zach Brown, but we... At I the didn't end, say that. Well, you kind of said... Well, I, I think it was Scott doesn't <laughs> like... We'll, we'll oh, throw Scott that, under the bus. That's your guy. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I love Zach <laughs> Brown. My daughter country. has introduced yeah. me to him, yeah. and I think he's really cool. Yeah. But, but, so, but in all seriousness, yes. going back to um, you diversity... You have to embrace people who yeah. are different. Different. And do you, you know what? There, there are times that... But, I, I remember my first month... I was in a meeting, yeah. and somebody was clickly, clickly, click. You know, they were on their keyboard on a conference call, and we were in we were in a meeting, and they were obviously multitasking, if you will, and they yes. forgot to put themselves on mute. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Whomever's doing that, put yourself on mute." And I remember somebody in the meeting going, "Gosh, that was so direct." And I'm like, "No, seriously, we only have so much time when we're meeting, and that's insulting." So we have to be mm-hmm. able to be ourselves. So. Uh, diversity, inclusion, engagement, these are very, very serious topics for us. And we I do lose sleep about this. And I have amazing people who we are very fo- focused strategically on always thinking, how can we be better? So you mentioned uh, paternity time, paternity yeah. leave yeah. time. Yeah. How, how, do you, how do you get dads to actually use that? Well, it's a policy. Obviously, we communicate about it and we we talk about it and say this is this is you have access to it. We we do talk about balance, but we talk about it in a bit of a different way. Um, So so I will tell you the language that I use Mm -hmm. from a Lincoln perspective. And it's really around, you know, where you need to be. So. the, the balance piece to me is a, it's a very tough definition because that can mean so many different things. Well, you know, balance, I abhor the term, but finish, yeah. finish your, yeah. your definition and then I'll tell you why. Yeah. It's so a mine is, I, okay. So, and I think we're in radical agreement on uh-huh. this one because I think balance is a little, uh, you know, I won't use well, any bad words, but it. Balance is bullshit. Is what, it is. Is what oh, that's like what I was going to say. Yes. Yeah. So <clears throat> it's I impossible. It's impossible. So you know, you need to know where you need to be. So there is a day that you're torn. Do you need to go? And I'm telling you, this is like a 12-step program for me. I had my son on my last day of my 40th year. Ten years before that, I was managing big teams, and I didn't understand why people would have to, men and women, would take their children for their vaccinations. I was like, don't you have babysitters for that? After I had Andrew, the first time that I went for his vaccinations, it was like a 12-step program for me. I was calling people and apologizing. Like, I didn't mm. understand. And I would never, ever, to this red-hot moment, allow him to have a vaccination without me being there. Mm-hmm. You know, so those are – it's a small example, but I didn't understand. Well, what did you learn from that? Well, I learned that – do you know what? Family first. Family first. And 
but for those the, who believe that, right? The, Not everybody those who has believe that. It. And but at the end of the day, you know where you need to be. Mm-hmm. So, have I missed concerts of Andrews? You're darn right, I have. Mm-hmm. Have I missed a basketball, soccer, karate, something? Yes, but it was because I had something else that I chose that mm-hmm. was, mm-hmm. and and I own that with my son. So yeah. we talk about it. So you know where you need to be. Yes, that's a good succinct way so to put it. So the balancing, yeah, I agree no, with you. Uh, it's BS. Well, uh, yeah. For for twenty years, uh, I've been teaching a course here uh, that gets people to focus on what do you care about, what do the people around you care about, and how can you continually invent new ways of making sure that you can be who you need to be in ways that are good for the people around you. And it's mm-hmm. never about balance. It's always about trying to find harmony and integration over the course of the long haul. Love it. So. Uh, it sounds like your your essential philosophy and the way that you bring that to life in your role is uh, is consistent with that idea, and that I'm sure helps to account for why you were the uh, HR Executive of the Year. You know, we're, we're just about down to the wire here, Lisa. A question I've been asking everyone uh, since the beginning of this year because it's such an important issue for us in our society is about compassion. So let me ask, how do you bring compassion? into your work and into your life? Active listening. Bring it back. Listen. And don't always try to solve everything for someone. Sometimes people just want to come in and talk. And so compassion is, it's its a really, really important piece of my world from the standpoint of there's days that you know, everybody has a bad day. Right. I mean, none of us are perfect. And from a compassion perspective, folks will come in. I might be having the worst day in the world and somebody's coming in with a really important issue. Do you know what? You wear your job like a jacket at that point. You really what does that mean? meaning I need to, this is not about me. It's about them. They've made the time to come to me and talk to me about something. And. I, I'm going to give the best advice or the best feedback. So it's or, really just yeah. paying attention yes, to them. Yes, actively and giving yeah. them your full, your full heart and mind. Yeah, yeah. And it's and sometimes hard to do that when you're distracted by so many other things that are compelling your attention. Yeah, but do you know what? It's amazing. And I'm holding, I'm holding my cell phone up. There's off buttons. There's mute buttons. There are mute and buttons. And guess what? You take the time. If somebody's asking for some help, guess what? Do it. Give it to them. That's Those are wise words, Lisa, uh, for us to <laughs> conclude on. We are, we are at the end of our time. Lisa, how would people find out more about uh, what you do and what your great organization is up to these days? Oh, please, please look at um, our website, lincolnfinancial.com. Um, I can give you my email address, lisa.buckingham at lfg, lincolnfinancialgroup.com. And... I am a huge believer in networking. If I can't help you, I will be very honest that I can't help you, and I will refer you to somebody who I believe can. That's awesome. We really appreciate that, Lisa. Thank you so much for sharing your story, your wisdom with our listeners. There's a bunch who uh, wanted to get on the the show, but we have uh, unfortunately run out of time. Really appreciate your taking the time to be with us tonight. Awesome. Thank you very much. Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Lisa Buckingham. And now I'd like to to challenge you, to offer an invitation 
for you to think about one of the things that, that Lisa and I were just speaking about, and that is, does your love for your work, or lack thereof, does it show? In other words, how do the people around you at work, boss, subordinate, colleagues, suppliers, customers, how do they experience your feelings about your work? Does it show that you love or do not love your work? What about your friends, your family? What about that person in the mirror? Does it show how much you do or do not love your work? And by asking yourself this difficult question, because it's not easy to ask yourself about this fundamental idea, what occurs to you about what you might be able to do that would enhance the extent to which indeed you do demonstrate real passion for what you do, if that is what you discover in thinking through and perhaps asking the people around you how they see your love, passion for your work, or lack thereof, in your everyday actions and attitude. Difficult challenge I am laying before you here. I hope that you take it up in some form and that it is fruitful as you think about what you can do to make things a little bit better for you and for the people around you. Get in touch with your ideas and reactions to this uh, invitation, should you take it up. You can reach me at friedmanoutwharton.upenn.edu. And if you've got an idea about someone you'd like to hear me talk to on this podcast, on, on the radio, let me know that as well. I'm eager to hear your ideas. Thanks for listening to this episode of Work and Life. This conversation was originally recorded on my weekly radio show on Sirius XM 111, Business Radio, powered by Wharton. Tune in for live broadcasts of Work and Life on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern. For more about today's guest and about previous guests, check out our blog at workandlifepodcast.com. Join the conversation by tweeting at Stu Friedman. And for more ideas and tools for creating harmony among the different parts of life, check out our website, totalleadership.org, and my book, Total Leadership, Be a Better Leader, have a richer life. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share it with your friends, family, and coworkers. Until next time, I'm your host, Stu Friedman, and I thank you for joining me. <music>